The first time Jamie and I hung out, we were both in Massachusetts for the wedding of some mutual friends. She and several others had rented this big old house in Salem for the weekend, and after the reception shut down, all the Nashvillians went back and partied there. While everybody else drank and played games in the other rooms, we spent most of the night in the kitchen bonding over Yankee candle hauls on YouTube, the price of trailers and a local penny saver somebody had left behind, and our fucked up families. There's a kinship between people who have experienced loss. There's even more of one between those of us who knew that loss would come, but not exactly when. I knew from a fairly young age that my father didn't have so much time. Jamie knew this about her mother. To live with death before it's happened, that will cook into you a dark crust that has to be cut with something sweet, or at least something palatable. Jamie is funny, like really, really funny. The kind of funny that you just have to be born with. It's in the recipe of your genes. Even when discussing some really dark stuff, she has a sense of humor about it that makes you so at ease about what she's telling you, even if you haven't lived it. Early spring of last year, Jamie and I met for brunch, drank about 100 Bloody Marys, and talked about our dead mothers. Actually, we drank about 100 Bloody Marys, talked about our dead mothers, and laughed hysterically. It was electrifying. Grief doesn't have to be one thing or another. A couple of years ago, she did a stand-up routine at Springwater for Amateur Night, and her set was brilliant. I mean, truly. So much of it was just about her life, the sad parts, the unbelievable parts, about her dad, who at the time was recently diagnosed with dementia. And it was so smart. I mean, that's key. If you're not smart, laughing or poking fun at the misfortune of your loved ones can come across as, well, sociopathic. But this was way more Tig Notaro than Jeffrey Dahmer. Before this interview started, Jamie told me she wanted it to be serious because that's not something she's ever really able to be when talking about her family. She didn't want to trivialize the material and she wanted people to understand that some of her experiences have really affected her. And it's not funny, even if she makes it funny. That's harder to do than it sounds. It's hard to suddenly let down your guard when you've processed everything through the lens of gallows humor and self-deprecation, if that's been the crutch that's kept you from falling apart. She's never said this, but I'm willing to bet that she often feels like I do, which is profoundly alone. But loss and feeling alone, those might be the two most fundamental ingredients that go into the human condition, which is why you add vanilla extract to almost every baked good to cover up the dry and bitter. Loss, it happens to everyone. It happened to us, it will happen to you. So you might as well laugh about it. Today on Memento Story, I'm interviewing co-host of podcast, Hot Minute, comedian, actor, and dog mom, Jamie Bradley. Hi, Jamie. Hi. How are you? I'm good, I think. (laughs) As good as any of us are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that question's very dumb to ask anyone these yeah. days. Not that you're dumb. I do it all the time because I have to interview people for work, or and I'm starting to talk to more people that I don't don't know really well mm-hmm. for my job. Strangers I don't work with, and I'm always like, "Hey, girl, how was your weekend?" And right. I'm like, 
picturing me like crying in my bed. It's just a formality from like our former lives when you might have a variation of how you feel, which doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I had a dear friend from college that I have not talked to in like a decade and we reconnected fairly recently, like something happened to remind me of him. And he now has started texting me every, pretty much every Saturday morning at like 6am, I'll get a, a call or a text from him. And today he finally was like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm clearly only reaching out to you when I'm wasted. <laughs> but he's like, that's my, my f- t- like favorite time when I'm not super depressed. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Wow. <laughs> that, that's dark, but you know, I, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. I mean, I- you're thinking of me. <laughs> Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I've actually um, also like not rekindled because I didn't really lose touch, but have been talking to people more from my past who I haven't in a long time. And I think it's like, I think it's boredom on some part. Everybody's got a lot of time to think and they're like, oh, yeah, like what's happened to her? Yeah, what's she up to? (laughs) You know, so there's that. So anyway, I appreciate you doing this, taking time out of your schedule today on this Saturday. (laughs) to do this. (laughs) So I just want you to start by telling me what you have brought (laughs) or what or what you have to talk about today. What is the object? Okay, so my object when given this prompt, (laughs) I was like, you know, this is an awesome idea. I have so many dead people (laughs) in my wake. Uh, No, um, I know so many people who have passed on. And then I was like, I actually, no one has given me anything. And at first I kind of panicked because I said yes. And then I was like, I don't have like an armoire, you know, <laughs> or like I got some old doubloons from my uncle Jeff. Like you race down uh, to eighth Avenue antiques to try to find something and build a story around it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we have to do this by the end of the month before they close. Right. But then I realized I do have some inherited things for my mom. So my mom passed away in 2010 and we'll get into obviously most likely more of the story there. Mm -hmm. I wasn't at fault. No, but (laughs) she didn't really give me anything. And I think that's what was tripping me up at first, but really what she gave me was a lifetime of uh, neuroses and trauma (laughs) and some recipes. So, um, So I today, and I'll show them to you. First of all, they're in this Ritz camera thriving business. Um, I don't even know if that's still around, but they're in a a container. Several years ago, my aunt came to visit and took a bunch of photos of me and my grandmother, who's also since passed on. Mm -hmm. And I have like some of my grandmother's jewelry and stuff like that. Again, she didn't give it to me. I sort of just like took it from her house. I was like, I'm stealing this before someone throws it in the garbage. I basically had this envelope of photos like with my grandmother and my aunt. Oh, wow. It's cute. We we went to the Hermitage and took a bunch of photos. And they're all black and white. They're in black and white. Yeah. And and they're from like 10 years ago. But I realized not that long ago that all of these recipes I'd shoved into this container. So basically, I went through before someone could throw them in the trash, inevitably, at my family's house. And it's just every recipe that like reminded me of my mom. And it's literally the only thing in her handwriting that I own. And so this through the years has, (laughs) and they're like recipes like dump cake. (laughs) 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 Barbara's yeast rolls. Yeah. But I think that the kind of seminal, the the centerpieces, first of all, also, I don't know if you can see this, and we'll obviously take photos and share them. Yeah, yeah. But they're just like well-loved. Yeah, there's stains all over them. They're covered in stains. 
they've got liquid paper, which is from like the 90s, which is probably like just pure arsenic. <laughs> like on them. <laughs> this one's from 90, 1995, which is just so funny now to even think that that was a long time ago. Right. And so, yeah, the two that really stand out are Sylvia's Best Ever Cheesecake and Jamie's Cinnamon Rolls. And so those are the two that I would like to focus on today. Absolutely. Um, just because I, as I really started to think about what these are, I started with like fond memories of them. And then it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Spoiler. It usually is. <laughs> so I just want to just sort the question about the actual recipe card. So can you just describe about how big they are? Yes, they are. the Well, the two that we're going to focus yeah, on. Let's just talk about those two. The pile is just everything mm-hmm. from tiny ones to like old pieces of lined paper. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the rest of these away okay. before like my dog comes in and pees <laughs> on them. They're um, going back into the envelope. Yeah, I don't know. What is this size? It's the large size is it? of standard. It's like a note card. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't know, five by seven mm-hmm. sized index card. They are yellowed with age, covered in stains that I'm assuming are from years of use and not just like <laughs> from being in my possession. <laughs> I actually did question it. I was like <laughs> smelling them like, what is this? Yeah. So they're they're just standard kind of things, but they're they're in her handwriting. And so like to, even to just, uh, to be honest, like I didn't get them out until this morning mm-hmm. and I was not even positive. I knew exactly where they were. Like I mentally could picture where they were in my house, but they're not items that I handle or mm-hmm. touch or think about too much because one, I don't, you know, I'm 35, so I'm not sitting around making fucking cheesecakes all the time <laughs> and handmade cinnamon rolls. Um, when is the right age to make those, Jamie? You know, well, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> as a basically the indentured servant of my mom. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're full fat. Um, a third of a cup of melted margarine as part of this recipe, like a box of graham crackers, trying to see what else we have. I mean, just full, full flavor. Um, right. So your mom died of heart disease? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Her Sorry. blood was just It's just um, like Crisco. <laughs> I'm having a hard time breathing. <laughs> oh, can y'all hear my CPAP? <laughs> So were these recipes that your mom was given or were these like original recipes that she figured out herself and then wrote them out? So these were recipes that she basically concocted obsessively over years. So, you know, when I talk about having a complicated relationship, you know, it's, it's one thing to like hold an object like there's, a, I guess, an inherent kind of weight funny because paper's light but there is this inherent (laughs) weight to like this is a a relic from the past of something that can never be replicated like if these get destroyed they're gone forever so even handling them and touching them there's that strange feeling of like wow she touched these items and she is dead but the layers to this are that you know growing up so my mom was disabled she had ms actually uh, actually, <laughs> but, uh, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the only way we're getting through this, girl. Yeah. That and my hookah. I wish I like cue a bubble sound. <laughs> no, I'm not smoking a hookah. But 
Anyway, cut that part. This is like a this is like a mor- like, like a morning radio show where I'm like Jamie's mom in her hookah, <laughs> back on the buzz, whatever. Um, she just loved loved her her apple hookah juice. Anyway, so. So she had MS. She was diagnosed in the early 80s. So by the time I was born in 85, she, you know, was already ill. So like basically my entire childhood was sort of, there was this cloud of urgency, I think, in her her mind to impart every piece of wisdom Mm. and every life learning that she had. So that led to me having a very distinct childhood different from my other siblings who are much older than me where I'm in like second grade and she's like, okay, um, there's one day there's something called a douche. (laughs) It's uh, usually just a medical thing. I mean, just so tell me like incredibly inappropriate stuff. Like, okay. uh, Some bodies are embalmed and some are cremated. (laughs) Don't cremate me, you know? And so I always grew up just having these kinds of just totally age inappropriate conversations. Yeah. And as she lost more physical sort of ability, she loved cooking. She loved coming up with recipes. I think some of it was boredom. We lived really far out in the country. Some of it, I think, is just like a a feminine pride where it's like, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm going to cook. But she wasn't really a chill kind of gal. So it wasn't (laughs) like, you know, if I crack a few eggs and make some mistakes, it's fine. It was like, no, this has to be the best, most perfect recipe and she would obsessively tinker but as she lost her ability to do that Mm -hmm. I became her her hand so can you tell me how does MS affect you girl (laughs) how long is this podcast (laughs) I mean what is it's a degenerative disease I'm gathering okay yeah 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 so MS is a deterioration of it's a neurological disease but it's a deterioration of the myelin sheath that covers the spinal column in the brain. And it also puts plaques on the brain, like plaques on your teeth. So mm. MS is a really tricky, difficult disease, even to diagnose because depending on which part of the spinal column that's affected mm. first or the part of the brain that's affected first, you know, some people go blind, some people can't walk, some people have start having speech issues and it, they know something's wrong, but they don't know what it is. And so it can take years and, and this may have changed. This is like my 90s knowledge. Sure, sure. <laughs> now people's prognosis is a lot more positive. But when you get diagnosed in 81 and you're poor, like, <laughs> good luck. So, yeah. So it's it basically just slowly steals all of your abilities to cognitively, physically function. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's real, real chill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, when I was in kindergarten, I guess she really, she started having to walk with a cane, you know, just a lot of really difficult things started to happen around that time. Also, because people didn't really know how to treat it. Like she had chemo unnecessarily because they thought Mm. that might help. Why not? Wow, That seems smart. And so that didn't help. And so, yeah, so from basically the age of like four or five, I started having to do things for my mom, which, you know, progressively just got more and more intense but at a really young age I started like cooking and help quote-unquote helping her in the kitchen and Mm -hmm. by the time I was like in third or fourth grade like I was cooking dinner every day and breakfast and everything for my whole family all the time wow so you've actually used these recipes 
Oh, yeah. So, I mean, by the time she, I believe, developed Sylvia's best ever cheesecake. <laughs> Who is Sylvia? I have to know that. That's my, so that's my mom. Yeah. Oh, her so is she Sylvia. is Sylvia. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> she named her own recipe. <laughs> so, I love it. tell you a lot about her. <laughs> Just in case you're unaware of who's in this house, whose cheesecake this is. Not Jamie. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is Monday. Monday, uh, July 24th, 1995. Wow. Uh, the exact is when she, in her lab, <laughs> the t- America's Test Trailer Kitchen landed on this this version <laughs> of the recipe. And so, so yeah, uh, 95, I would have been in fifth grade. Yeah. So by that point, like, she was, she was completely wheelchair bound and, like, really not cooking Sylvia's Best Ever Cheesecake or the 75 iterations that got us to this. So the second recipe that I have, which is 97 is you're gonna like Jamie (laughs) and the story of Jamie's cinnamon rolls are that this is something that no fucking seventh grader wants to be doing (laughs) because these cinnamon rolls are you're getting yeast and you are making dough oh wow rolling out the shit and I hated every moment of Jamie's cinnamon rolls creation we worked on the fucking recipe for weeks and weeks and weeks and by the time we got it pretty good yeah I mean they're actually really good and I always just thought it was so funny because she was like this is your recipe like these are your cinnamon rolls like I have my best ever cheesecake you've got a thing (laughs) and around like seventh grade she was like starting to lose her speech and like it was definitely the a very steep decline from that point so it's funny even just seeing this and pulling it out because I'd really never thought about about it that much and it's like wow you know Sylvia's best ever cheesecake Jamie's cinnamon rolls it was truly I think her her gift to me I think but also in this ironic way it's like I am not going to make these I don't want to eat these I we have like a lot of obsessive tendencies so I have like a totally (laughs) terrible body image issues (laughs) that totally come from her and it's like so ironic my sister and I laugh all the time just about our like wild (laughs) I mean it's not even funny but just like every issue we have with food is from this person that made us cook food constantly yeah Um, and so just even that this is like the thing that's left with us it's like you know, for years it ruined me. Like I didn't want, I never, I didn't cook in my twenties. I didn't want to touch mm. food. I was like, like I would cook to eat and to live, but I did not want to be a baker. I didn't have like a love for being creative in the kitchen. And yeah, it is, it is what it is. So have you like even, I mean, you know, you said you don't handle those recipes on like a very, you know, regular basis, but have you ever pulled out, you know, Sylvia's cheesecake or your cinnamon roll recipe to actually use it? Like, have you made those as an adult? I made the cinnamon rolls when I first moved to Nashville because I think I wanted to like show off in some weird way and I fucked (laughs) them up super bad because they're really hard to make yeah they're super complicated like Um, it has to be 76 and a half degrees outside and you have to be at a certain elevation and like (laughs) you know recipe was developed in a trailer (laughs) at like sea level at 100 humidity and so then i and i'm pretty sure like one of the rest like one of the ingredients is parquet so it's like (laughs) God, I love old Southern recipes. It's like, use Olio. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, it's like all brand names because capitalism is. 
right. So you so you tried it, and so they didn't turn out. They were really hard and just not very good. Mm-hmm. And then I was like embarrassed and I was like, this sucks. And it's kind of expensive to bake. Yeah, it is really. That was going to be sort of my next question is you had said that these take like weeks and time and iterations to develop. And baking is people who are always like, oh, baking is so relaxing and it's such a hobby to me. Like I'm like, I can waste money so many more <laughs> more interesting ways than baking a bunch of shit get, that's going to go in the trash. I want to get drunk and do drugs. I don't want to make 15 versions of a fucking flan. Right. Yeah, no. I that is something I was thinking about just this morning as I was prepping in my brain for what I would say like that alone was so interesting to me because we did not have and I'm really not exaggerating like we lived in a trailer obviously like exorbitant medical expenses. Right. I was the only person working. I think he, you know, he had like a union telephone, you know, very blue collar job, um, telephone worker job. And so, yeah, we just struggled to make ends meet as, as it is. And there are many memories I have now where I'm like, oh yeah, our electricity was cut off. My mom totally lied. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so that I was pondering that exact thing this morning. Like, what a weird choice. And we also lived, the town we grew up in was called Hardin. It had 500 people. We didn't live in Hardin. Like, my post office box was Route 1, Box 308. Like, I didn't even live on a street that was a real street. Like, it was, like, literally in the the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so, to get to town, to go to the store, to go to Brookshire Brothers or HEB, we had to, like, get in a car and, like, get weeks worth of food you know at a time she wasn't just running down to the corner store to get pam or to get you know flour whatever it was that she needed exactly so i mean just the logistics alone involving that like we we actually did go to the grocery store a fair amount and so it's like this is like gas and time Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's it's so weird to me and then i'm like i would have probably enjoyed like new clothes (laughs) That would have been really cool. But thanks for the cinnamon roll recipe. Yeah. Why do you think cooking and baking and these recipes were so important to her? I mean, you said that you felt like it was maybe like a feminine badge or there's something in her that made her very like proud of this. And just curious if you know what that is or why that would be. Yeah, I, I, I have theories, but it's something that when you talk about the fact that this person isn't around anymore. Like this is a question that I never would have thought about as a child or mm-hmm. when I had time to ask, you know, cause like I said, she really stopped being able to communicate with me in seventh or eighth grade. She didn't pass away until 2010, but she couldn't, like I didn't have a relationship with her yeah. in any way or, or, you know, an ability to actually like talk to her. And so, yeah. So I, I think a lot of it was just pride in keeping a home like I think because we didn't have much and we lived in this pretty shitty situation like the inside of our house was as nice as she could make it It clean we didn't starve you know even though I think there were times probably when food and this hobby were prioritized over other needs that we had but you know I, I think for her if your belly was full like you were rich enough you know yeah. and so I think there was probably some some sort of poverty tie in because she was the youngest of eight children and grew up in a place called Tarkington Prairie. And she was the first kid in her family to have store-bought underwear. And like, they were like, Sylvie's spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) 
like <laughs> like they would like bathe in the fucking yard. Like she literally had to go out and get well water with a gourd. Oh my goodness! And, stuff. and they were like, "Hey, well, Sylvia got the toilet. She's <laughs> little Miss Pris, you know." And yeah. so I think for her. And her mom was sort of known as a very good cook. And they, it's funny, I have one of her recipes and mm. uh, it's it's mom's popcorn balls. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. They're actually fucking <laughs> delicious. Um, and I, if I could go back in time too and eat some of that food, I have a feeling it's, it's fine. <laughs> you know, like right. I, I don't know that like grandma's popcorn balls are really, actually they're pretty fucking good, but like she, she made dumplings and it's like, are those dumplings? Good. They're probably fine. They're right. Probably good. Yeah. But we, everyone sort of like elevated grandma and talked about how amazing this was. And so there was a lot of pride, I think, just in food and being able to like, pr- like take care of your family and like nourish them, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so my mom was like, let's make cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it is interesting. You know, I'm sitting here sort of listening to talk about that. And, and I think about my, my own mom who also, she grew up in a really rough situation, grew up with like no money. My grandmother, you know, they always made a joke. Like my grandmother was married like six times or something, but you know, she would like meet a man. And as long as he had a car, she was like on board. And so, you know, my mom like moved around a lot. There was all. And so when you're raised like that, or you're raised just, you know, in poverty, but you, you understand that there are indicators of a lady, right? You, you understand like that there are things that a lady knows or can do. And so it's interesting what people latch onto. For my mom, it was always like she had impeccable nails. Like she was always so careful with her hands and her nails and like making sure that she had the hands of a lady, even if she didn't have yeah. anything else. She wasn't educated, you know, educated the way a lady, yeah. whatever. But so I think it's just fascinating what people kind of link to being refined or elegant or, or being linked yeah. to the kind of person living the life that they would want to live as they see themselves, you know. I totally. Well, and, you know, I think for my, my mom like she was the same way like she had beautiful fingernails mm-hmm. and she she also when you speak of education like she had to drop out of high school because she got pregnant mm-hmm. with my sister so my sister is 15 years older than me so we both had we were bookends we have a brother in the middle and like she and I have we got completely different people as a mom and like somehow the chaos of both of our situations like makes us incredibly similar. Like, and our brother's kind of an alien. Like we can't really, (laughs) like he had like the best, he was coddled and had the best like sort of family. And then on this, you know, one side of my, my sister has like a manic teen (laughs) poverty mom. (laughs) And then I have like disabled, like you know, making me bake mom. And so, yeah, it's really interesting, but she had a husband she was 17, taking care of a kid by herself, and they got divorced. And I think when, once she met my dad, I sort of have this vision in my head that she very much like tried to be a little wild in her youth and rebel. And I think that's kind of why her first marriage fell apart. And by the time she met my dad, she was like, shit, I'm poor and I have a kid and I need to be the model wife that like is beautiful and sexy and cooks and is awesome. And I'm, that's all I know. And it's worked for me. And so by the time I came around, she was like, by God, you're going to do it, you know? And so it was like boot camp as a kid. Right. I would wake up every Saturday morning. And I think an aspect of this that's really interesting is that she wouldn't, she wouldn't be like, okay, Jamie, can, okay, get the sugar out. She'd be like, okay, I'm going to get the sugar out now. And like, she, oh, wow. Would literally, like, 
sort of act as if she was doing this, Mm. but like, I was just literally like her hands and, you know, and so she would sort of break that facade if I started making mistakes or if I was not doing something well, but it really was a pretty, in retrospect, manipulative (laughs) situation because it robbed me, I think in a lot of ways of some autonomy in how I spent my time and like what I wanted to do. And I think you know, maybe that's just also a little generational. Like I think a lot of kids these days like have maybe too much autonomy, autonomy, or too, <laughs> too much. Like you're going to be an individual, right? Rebecca, you're going to yeah. be you. And my mom's like, you're going to be me. Bitch. I mean, you were literally being an extension of her in those situations. Yeah. I mean, I think that's incredibly fascinating. She's like, I'm going to get the sugar out. And that was like your cue to like, go get the sugar <sighs> or, you know, go get whatever. And I'm trying to think, you know, and from her perspective, though, like you kind of said that, you know, that was that was like her her gift to you in some way. Yeah. To, even if it was a gift you didn't really want, you know, right. it makes me think I know. <laughs> Makes me think of like fancy, like that was your, that was the dancing dress. She's like, all all she had to give you, you know, but if she, but here's the deal, you're going to be a prostitute, but my God, you're going to be a good one. But no, but the idea that like, she's like, here's what I know a lady does. And so I'm going to give you this thing that. this is going to make you a lady. And she maybe would not have ever articulated it in that way or even been conscious of that. But that has to be, I would think, something that she was doing, you know. There's a photo, I think it's in in here, and I'll take a picture of it. Yeah, please do. And send me some pictures of the recipes, too. There's a picture of the three of us, and it's me, my mom, Me, my mom, and my mama who live next door. Oh, I love it. That I can. And I <laughs> am holding like clearly just a full sugar like poke of some sort. Yeah, she, she looks like a poodle with this perm. Mama's got this like wind up 1991 like lime green camera. I love her transitions glasses or whatever she's got going oh, on there. Great. I think this is Ain Edith's husband. But in the photo, I've got my hand on my hip. I'm just defiantly looking at the camera, drinking a full Coke. And like (laughs) when I started school, I remember like being very taken aback that there were rules for me at school. So like I would just get up and walk over in the middle of class to my lunch kit and take out my tea that my mom would, my sweet tea, and just start pouring like my sweet tea in a little, my little thermos cup. And my teacher's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting some tea. (laughs) Right. You know, and so there was very much like in some ways I was very controlled. I was an extension of her, but in other ways, like by being an extension of her, I was incredibly rebellious and defiant of like all other authority. It was like, she's like, you're going to submit to me, but basically fuck everybody else because you're going to rule and make cool cheesecakes and (laughs) cinnamon rolls your entire life (laughs) with authority. That's really funny. So my dad stayed in the house where my mom eventually passed away until this year. And he's actually in a a memory memory care facility. You know, got memory care issues. Mm -hmm. And I think I hadn't been back to the house in a long time. It was really difficult for me to be there because she died there. And I just... Crockett, Texas, which is where we eventually ended up, is a pretty depressing town that I don't uh, endorse a lot of people traveling to. You don't have a reason. And so it was just during some trip in the past like 10 years to Crockett, I think after she passed away, where I was just like, I, you know, fuck this place. Like, I'm not going to come here. And so one of those trips, I just 
went through the house and I took these recipes and I took a box. Like she was also just an avid, not good or skilled photographer, but just an avid documentarian of like every moment of everyone's lives. So I took all the photos that I thought she would have cared to survive and put them in a box. And I have these recipes and those photos and that's pretty much it. Like, I guess I was, you know, by the end with someone being ill that long and not having really any agency, like she didn't really own things. Mm -hmm. Like she, like she didn't have clothes that I was going to wear. She didn't have jewelry. She didn't really have any, like I actually have one necklace of hers that I don't really wear, but it's just a simple, like, delicate gold chain that she had. But so I think there was just something in me that was like, this is the only, this is the only thing that she would care about. Like if these got thrown out, like she would be crushed, you know, even though she doesn't really have say anymore. So yeah. So I took them and I inherited them by (laughs) by force, (laughs) but it's not like, it's not like anyone was competing with me for them either. You know, they would have, they would have ended up in the trash. And so I think that in and of itself is heartbreaking to think about. But, you know, I was like, this was something that she and I had. Nobody else knows how to make these. Nobody else had to make these. And as resentful sometimes of that as I am, it's also like, this is our thing together. So I'm, by God, going to. <laughs> well, because she does have some like family members that I could see being like, well, I need to steal these cheesecake recipes. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, did your siblings get anything? And were they like, I kind of wanted the recipes, you know? (laughs) No. And it's funny. Like, you know, I think my sister, my sister doesn't give a shit. um, (laughs) And my brother doesn't care either. You know, I could see my brother, though, if he found out like my dad had thrown them away, like getting angry. But, uh, but no one, yeah, no one was really like competitive for this stuff or has any illusions that they give a shit about it yeah. at all. Yeah. So you keep them there in like a photo envelope, right? I mean, I, yeah. I guess the best way to describe it is like if you went and got like prints made at Walgreens or somewhere, yeah. right? Like then it would come in like a kind of hard cardboard envelope and that's what right. they're in right now. And that's what she kept them in as well? It's not. So she, they were in a recipe box and... For whatever reason, I didn't take the whole box and it could have just been, it probably was just convenience. I was probably flying and was like, I can't fit this whole box Mm. in here and I don't give it like half of the recipe. The ones that she didn't write were like either disgusting, like (laughs) 70s, jello molds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like shrimp mold. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Pam. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I, I just sort of took the ones that mattered and then everything else from like good housekeeping and red book got thrown in the checks probably. When you look at those recipes, they're in your mom's handwriting and they're in, like you said, she uses brand names to indicate ingredients. So like when you read those recipes, do you hear them in your mom's voice? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Funny. Cause I really haven't like read them or looked at these until this moment. I mean, they're pretty straight up. They're not like too colloquial. It's not like my mamma's recipes literally like, okay, you gotta just put a little, put a dab of oleo. Right. Like she wasn't like Creole or something and you're like trying to decipher, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or Cajun, I guess. Yeah. I think kind of to her, to her credit and actually her personality, she really did go about these in this very serious way, like coming up with these recipes. And so I think out of probably 
some sense of like pride. She was just like, I mean, they're written as if Martha Stewart wrote them, you know, like it's very matter of fact, it's very like precise. And, um, and, and I do remember too, like her putting the recipes together and like the process of getting to best ever was like seven different versions. And it was like, she would wake up from a dream or something and like, come wake me up and be like, I had a dream. I know why the dough didn't rise in the cinnamon wow. rolls. We have to sift the flour. We're going to try that. And you'd have to do it. And I, you know, and I, my memory is like doing it in a very specific way. And then she would like write it down or have me write it down. And then it would be like, okay, strictly like, this is how this new version is made. We're not going to do the shit old version, <laughs> you know, like she very much, I think baking specific, like she really didn't cook very often. Like baking was her thing. And that is such a scientific precision yeah. based skill, which is why I kind of hate doing it now. Cause I, I like cooking. Right. Just like creative and a dash here, a, a pinch there, you know, you can yeah. kind of fudge the numbers a little bit, but not with baking. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, and I didn't do any of it for years just from the sort of trauma of the whole experience. I mean, genuinely, but yeah, I think she took a lot of serious thought to how these were going to be. And it was almost like a, I don't want to say a delusion of grandeur, but I really think in her head, she thought if there's any legacy I'm going to leave behind, like maybe my daughter will be famous one day and like mm-hmm. cook these recipes. Like, like she never said that out loud, but she had sort of that sense of self where she never acted like a poor lady in a trailer. It was very much like we are, we are the shit. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Or like, we are actually a really good family. Who's just fallen on temporary hard times kind of yeah. thing, you know, maybe. Yeah. It sounds like it was something for her to focus on that wasn't sickness and deprivation, you know. But, you know, what I also wanted to ask was, had life been kinder to your mom? What do you think she like? Who would she have been? So she was also an like obsessed with genealogy. And so if life had been kinder to my mom, you know, and she were still around, I think about often and I'm just like, I can get on Ancestry.com which I do. And it's become this hobby. I almost like was going to talk about that today instead. Like it's become this very Zen-like hobby where I can zone out and just sort of methodically fill in the family tree. And it's, you know, I grew up going with her to like research libraries, looking at microfiche. And she was very proud of doing this research and sleuthing and finding out about her family and where everyone came from and all these, like amassing all these stories. So I think if life had been kinder, she probably honestly would have pursued that as a real thing. Like I, I think she was incredibly smart and very crafty. And I kind of, I kind of feel like she would have gone far in whatever she wanted to do. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but I don't know. Like, I, I think uh, part of me is like, I think she would have been like famous and like had yeah. her on TV show or something. Like she was just that kind of spark. Like we'd walk in a grocery store, which we <laughs> were fucking at all the time. Um, <laughs> we'd, you know, roll into the grocery store and like 15 people would walk up and talk to her and then they'd walk away and I'd be like, who's that? And she's like, hell of I know. <laughs> you know like, she was, it was just like being with the mayor or something constantly. Like, it was that kind of magnetic kind of person. And so I don't, I don't know. I mean, so I think in some ways to, you know, your question earlier, like I kind of think these recipes and like doing them in her head, I think maybe she sort of imagined that she was, you know, maybe a less racist, like Paula Deen. (laughs) 
figure, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Have you have you ever thought about putting them into like a a book? Like you know, you can make them into a book, self publish a book, or yeah. have you ever thought about doing it? Have you ever thought about doing anything with them? Having them framed, having them tattooed on your body, whatever you know. Oh, the tattoo <laughs> thing is funny, and I actually was thinking that maybe that's when I got these recipes because. A friend had gotten her mom's like beautiful letter she'd written like in a family Bible tattooed on her ribs. This is that's totally when I got these. I now remember. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, my mom's handwriting is all over those recipes. I'm going to go look Mm -hmm. at them. And then it's just like the driest ass, like (laughs) butter pan set aside one hour. Bake 350 degrees preheated. It's like get a fucking cheesecake recipe tattooed on my ribs with like a (laughs) Jesus fish. (laughs) Work dough. Flowered round <laughs> on my ass. Um, yeah, a tramp stamp that just says like "better pan." <laughs> <laughs> Tooth hurts a cup of sugar. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so it's funny. Like I, I am now. Like as of like today, <laughs> but it was weird because I preparing for this. I didn't prepare at all because I didn't even want to like go get these. Like I drug my feet and procrastinated on even pulling these out until about an hour ago <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like, I know where they are. I know what they are and handling them makes me nervous and looking at them sort of reminds me that like, I am not honoring her in any way with them, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little complicated, I guess. Those recipes might have been the legacy that your mother thought she was giving you, right? Yeah. But but we don't really get to pick our legacies. And so I think that listening to you talk about how your mom was this really like magnetic personality who could go into a store and everybody wanted to talk to her and everybody wanted to be around her and that she was really outgoing and you're saying I you know I feel like she might have been famous and I think that it sounds like it sounds like I mean I know you so I can say this but it sounds like you are a lot like your mom and that you probably get a lot of your kind of like charisma performer yeah. and you have done comedy and you have your own podcast it's it's really funny and I just think it's so interesting when people think about especially their parents like what they think their parents legacy are for them and oftentimes they themselves are the legacy yeah. You know? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are, no, it's, I, I, thanks. <laughs> I mean, fuck you, I'm going to move this cheesecake. No, um, no, I mean, I, I thank you for saying that. And, and well, no, I mean, you know, I just, it's, it was just sort of my observation about it. I think that's very true. And, and I will say too, like, we are very similar. We actually look very similar. Mm-hmm. And for a long time when I was younger, especially and and not as like sure of myself, like I, I feel pretty confident in who I am at this point. But when I was a lot younger, I definitely felt uncomfortable at, I, I hated going to any family function. I kind of hated being around even my own dad. Like I just, I, I just could tell that I made people sad or I felt like mm-hmm. I made people sad because I looked a lot like her mm-hmm. and acted like her and, and had similar phrases that I'm sure I got from her and things like that. And so, yeah, I kind of felt like a little walking ghost and just depressing reminder of (laughs) this dead person. Um, But yeah. And so I think in some ways I probably rejected some of this cooking and, and stuff too, on one hand, because 
being her proxy as a child was kind of traumatic and, and a little weird. And I felt, you know, a little robbed of my autonomy um, and was a little angry about that for a long time and was just like, yeah, fuck that. I don't want to be in a kitchen. Like I spent my whole childhood like being in a kitchen. There's no discovery. I, I remember going to college and everyone knew how like, I don't know how to do laundry. And I'm like, move. <laughs> yeah. You're like, get the Pam for me. <laughs> <laughs> you just spray Pam on the collar. It's it real crispy. <laughs> My dad's covered in flies. <laughs> and so I, I, yeah, I think I rejected a lot of comparisons to her. And that's probably why I didn't want to do this. And also because, yeah, I don't. Also, with a pandemic, I'm going to eat this whole fucking cheese by myself at my house. So you were saying that your mom, she thought she was reincarnated. Oh, my God. Yeah. So my mom was a very strange mix of incredibly Southern Baptist. She was an incredibly talented, self-taught, like, piano player. She played, like, Southern gospel music. It was her favorite. So we were constantly listening to, like, Southern gospel music. <laughs> she was she, I was, like, trying to think of an artist. I don't know. Like, Bluegrass billionaires. I don't know, like some garbage. Um, Mahalia Jackson. Yeah, sure. Um, no, wider. Um, <laughs> okay. Elvis. She listened to Elvis sometimes. But so on one hand, she was like that, which was cool and confusing because she also was super into ghosts and like hauntings and metaphysical things. Wow. And like she loved hero and like horoscopes. And she claims that one time when she lived in San Diego, when she was like a wild teen mom, um, that she <laughs> went to a seance as like a fun thing. And the moment she walked in, the medium panicked and was like, you have to leave to her and basically was like, you're, you're extremely susceptible to demon possession. <gasps> And so she became pretty religious after that. That rules. And it's pretty cool. And <laughs> yeah. so when I, I went through a very religious phase, probably because I just needed any sort of structure in my life uh, when I was like 14. And I was like convinced that my mom was like possessed by a demon. I was like, she doesn't have, she's not sick. Like they're trying to keep her down. She's a spiritual. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So fun stuff like that. I don't think that anymore. And now I'm pretty sure it was like science. Um, <laughs> But uh, did you try laying of hands on her? I didn't. You know, I wasn't. I was non-denominational by that point. It was not. I was not a charismatic Christian. I didn't. I didn't think I could lay hands, or I didn't. I didn't know my spiritual gifts yet. Right. But she she claims that she had a dream one night, and in the dream, and in my brain, I just picture like extreme drone footage. But there was like. Zoom in on some old elderly woman sitting on a on a porch, rocking back and forth, um, laughing. And that was in, in the middle of nowhere. And that was her dream. And then a few years later, when she was driving back from San Diego, divorced with my sister, something in her gut told her to get off the main highway and take this series of roads. And she didn't have a map, you know, it's like in the 70s. And she ended up at the house that had been in her dream. No. And she saw the house and she was like, and, the, and again, she's telling me in like second grade, the story, that's what I mean. Like she's told me way inappropriate things that now I'm like super happy she did because I have these crazy stories, yeah. but she, uh, she claimed that in that moment, she just knew that she had been, she was dreaming of like her former self and that she was that woman and she had found her old house and like all this crazy. That like literally gives me chills right now. There's a bunch of other ghostly things that happened she would often like be around 
when very bizarre things would happen that were also related to like people passing away, like she witnessed this is now this is like turning into a different podcast, but she, uh, <laughs> she moved back in with her parents with my sister and a grandfather clock chimed like a cuckoo clock and the phone rang and someone had died. And then like a few weeks later it happened again and the phone rang and somebody had died. And like, she was always around for these like crazy things that happened. Wow. That's incredible. He grew up telling me all these like very crazy ghost stories (laughs) and making fake. (laughs) Thanks for waiting an hour in to tell me about all this spooky shit that happened. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't really care about your relationship. <laughs> was she a ghost? Or yeah. What? Was she possessed by the <laughs> devil or what? Um, and my sister and I have some scary ghost stories too. <laughs> that is that. Um, yeah. So, you know, houses on fire. Do you grab these recipes? Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of one reason why I also don't touch them because I'm like, okay, I always know where they are. They're in the box in my room on this one shelf they're high enough up like and i've thought about this where i'm like if water came in the house they're on the ground floor (laughs) so if we're in a storm i can grab them but like they probably won't be flooded out like (laughs) like i've like thought about all these dumb things they're close to a door so that you know maybe i'll be able to grab them yeah so yeah i definitely would grab the box and try and actually i'm at my desk right now and i've taken some photos out and so like I will definitely, when this is over, put all of this shit back and put the lid back on mm-hmm. and like not touch it again just so that I like know exactly where it is. I think. What do you want to happen to these recipes? Not a flood. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, like when you think about and for, yeah. for me, because part of the whole point of this podcast is the idea that I have yeah. all this stuff from people who've died and like what happens to it and right. who gets it and who would who cares even. And so right. and I don't know what the right answer is, but but for yeah. you, like who gets this? Who wants it? You know, who? You know, and I I'm at the age now where like I probably won't have children by this point. Like I just that's probably not going to happen. And that's a different podcast as well. There's like five different podcasts. There's a ghost one. <laughs> yeah. There's a baby one. Um, you know, so I, I think probably younger, I was like, oh, I'll give it to my kids. And mm-hmm. now it's kind of like, well, I have a niece, my sister's daughter. Like maybe sh- I'll give them to her. Like maybe she'll care. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to think about it, you know, because then that means that I'm gone, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not like burdensome objects. So it, it isn't like, <laughs> I've got some old plutonium. <laughs> that I've got to legally <laughs> discard. Right. Um, or an you know, old pullout like, sofa that's in like puke green, you know, who's going to get this? Who's going to take this? Right, you know, yeah. right. I think too, because I've always like sort of traveled light. I have, this is the most rooted I've probably ever been in my life. Like I've never owned a lot of things and have a very, like I'm very sentimental about a very small amount of objects. And like that box is one of them. Um, You know, I have a, a handful of other just little trinkets and like pieces of jewelry and things that like really matter but I think there's always, and, and some of it's probably scarcity and like poverty and just having to move around a lot and stuff where it's just like, I don't want the armoire. Like I, I would never want those objects. Mm-hmm. And so I think I try not to think about like bestowing that on somebody else mm-hmm. either. I'm so, 
I don't know. It's, it's actually hard for me to acquire like nice things and want to have them and keep them because I just, that's so foreign to me. Yeah. That's again, this is like a different, <laughs> it's a different it's podcast. Like, this is now my zoom therapy session every <laughs> Friday at 8 a.m. Yeah. I mean, and that was sort of a question I have too, which is like, do you own anything now that you feel strongly about being passed on to say like you want this whatever this is this tangible item that you feel is representative maybe of you or something you've accomplished or whatever like you want this to stay and be passed on and to, for somebody else to care about it as much as you do like do you have anything like that I I don't you know like, yeah I I think I've consciously tried not to have that and so I'm very obsessed with antiques like I love looking at them I love like getting online on like auction sites and just looking at estate sales and when I'm stressed my like happy place dream is just me at an estate sale but I don't ever buy anything Mm. and like in real life and in fake dream life (laughs) (laughs) because it's like if I buy a shitty thing at Target and it gets destroyed or I lose it whatever it's not a big deal if somebody steals like the most important object of my life, then like, what do I have left? You know? So I think I've always tried really hard not to bestow too much, but, but I don't think that's good or bad. You know, like Mm -hmm. I, I I think that that's like, that's been a point of self-preservation for me, but I also see myself as I get older, like wanting to get some of those objects. I just don't, I don't have them yet. And I don't know what they are. <laughs> and if you ever come into my home, it looks like a piece of shit. I'm like <laughs> my car is decaying. And like, people are like, you have like pride in anything. <laughs> anything. I'm like, my look, my <laughs> Right. You look great. I mean, your skin looks great. So. You know, I did a, I did do a peel today. Um, <laughs> Maybe when you die, we can just have you flayed and have your skin <laughs> preserved. <laughs> Uh, this is my face lamp. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, I'm willing to spend a lot of money on like my hair or like clothes or just things that sort of make me feel good. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not usually the person that's like, I need heirloom dishes. I'm just yeah. like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, that stuff can be burdensome. You know, I have like a box of my parents' wedding china, and I only this year actually took it out and put it into the china cabinet I also have from my parents but but it was really it was this thing that I did because it was kind of like okay I'm gonna put these in here this was where it goes at the display but for years I've carried that box around I mean this heavy box that I'm terrified of being broken and while I'm glad I have it because it is you know a physical tie it's also it is it is burdensome and then I think about who gets this like who's gonna care about this you know I actually have a thing of dishes from my grandmother who passed away but they're not they're not like super nice and honestly we have a small storage unit and they're in there and like I've had that same thought where I'm like so maybe yeah I've inherited but even that it's not like I inherited it it's not like she get bestowed it upon me it was like at my aunt's house she was like hey we're gonna <laughs> take these to the right. dump but I'm like well I'll take them I you know but it's like they're not even nice it's not like even wedding china it's like some mismatched it's like just stuff that was in her house that mm-hmm. I was like, so yeah, I guess I could have talked about that. <laughs> no, I like the recipe. I like the recipes better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this cup. Uh, <laughs> um, You're like, I don't really give a shit about this. This is from the yeah. JCPenney collection of 1976 or whatever, right. you know? Yeah. This is an old uh, cup from Nuke. <laughs> she was there several times. Uh, it's the Christmas teal. 
Um, yeah. It's like really that shit. Is there anything else that you want to say about your mom or about her recipes? Okay. <laughs> do you feel any urge to make those cinnamon rolls? I kind of do. Yeah. I kind of do. And then I know that I won't. <laughs> you know what's fun in the hot heat of summer? <laughs> Yeast and baking. Sweating over an oven. Sweating yeah. and eating hot yeast rolls. Yeah, maybe I will make the cinnamon rolls. I will say that once we can go back into offices, maybe I'll give it a try because mm. I, I really can't just, I can't have them in my house. No, I understand like, that. I, I need to like take them somewhere or else my mom will haunt me for getting fat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't ask that, but what did you guys do with all the stuff that you bake? Did you all eat it? <laughs> or my brother ate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we ate it. I do remember the cheesecake. So we didn't even get into this, but it's it's not super fancy. It is like made from scratch and like there's a, there's technique to it. But the the topping is hilarious because you just basically dump a can of cherries on top of it <laughs> and like and then pipe it with Cool Whip. Right. Like that's the, the topping on the pipe side. it. Pipe it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we ha- uh, bitch, I can pipe. <laughs> yeah. And so it just would sit in the fridge for way too long and get crunchy and like gooey on the top as a, a can of cherry yeah. is want to do and so yeah like I do have memories of this cheesecake just kind of getting disgusting by like the eighth day that you're like wow wow this is rich yeah because eating it wasn't even the point right I mean no, no not at all like it, I, it was almost kind of a like a sad moment when you cut into it and it all just got fucked up yeah <laughs> like because like I do remember part of it there's some technique and how you let it cool and like you cook it in a springform pan. And so like when you remove that outer layer, if it's not set correctly, then it splits on the top and hence dumping the cherries on top of it because it will cover a multitude of sins. But, but, you know, yeah, there was definitely like, there was a lot of this just like science and technique that went into it. And then it was done and it was like, well, we have a cheesecake. Yeah. Let's call brother Mark and, uh, and his wife and see if they'd like it, you know? Like, right. Brother Mark's like, Oh fuck, another cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> God, the trailer lady keeps making cheesecakes over here. Thank you so, so much to my guest, Jamie Bradley. Our show is engineered and produced by Michael Eads and hosted by We Own This Town, original music by Ryan Regal. I would encourage everyone to go listen to Jamie's podcast, if you don't already, Hot Minute, which she co-hosts with Ashley Spurgeon. It's also part of the We Own This Town network. She can also be found on Twitter at Jamie Bradley. Thanks for listening and join me again in two weeks for our next episode of Memento Story.